I mean, you're telling me that you are fully clothed for 100% of the underdog drafts that you do? All of them? Every single one? Every single one. That's crazy. Because when I am not clothed, there's stuff that I'm doing, right? Whether that be taking a shower, taking a shit, doing some other stuff, if you get what I'm saying. So my mind isn't on fantasy football at that point in time. It's not on underdog right? It's on other things. And that's why I'm always fully clothed. You know, you're ready to go. You're ready to start your day, ready to just uh, keep on smashing these $5 best ball tournaments and, you know, go about your day. But that's what everybody thinks. And, And we're always trying to figure out how to galaxy brain it and how to get different. Well, if 95 plus percent of the people in these underdog drafts are fully clothed you get differentiation right off the top by being butt naked when you're drafting and, and you especially as an infamous man who's who's well documented as being someone who's on their phone in the shower i'm really surprised that you're not making picks while you're in the shower naked <laughs> seems like something that'd be right up your alley nah man i don't draft while i'm in the shower kind of have gone you know away from that i usually just put on a video now like a, like a youtube video or something watch that or just put on music, put my phone on like the little top ledge part of the shower and just uh, go about my shower nowadays. So, yeah, man, I, I don't know. I think if you're drafting fantasy football teams naked, y- you know, you might be kind of a weirdo. Nah, it's definitely will produce optimal results. And for me, it's like, you know, you get out the shower. I got the air con on. It's a little chilly in the crib. I got to, you know, get under the blankets naked and just start making picks. Right. And, and, you know, you alluded to, you know, potentially making love to a woman. You finish with that. You roll over. And you make some picks. It's a win win situation. But you can't make the picks while you're doing it, though, because that's some next level savage shit. Well, yeah, that's not what I'm saying. But when you're finished, you know, roll over. You join as you finish, like as you're finishing, you enter. Oh, OK. OK. I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. You feel me? Balls, butt cheeks and best player available. That's how you win a tournament. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 151 of the DFS Dose Podcast, your fix of daily fantasy sports information, strategy, and analysis. I'm your host, Ben Hover, joined as I always am by Joey Carrion. And on today's show, we're going to be discussing ADP trends, under the radar correlation play, sort of building on the conversation that we began on last week's episode. And lastly, a handful of player props that were bullish on as DK Sportsbook added a ton of new props to the site this week. If you're new to the podcast, and like what you hear, you can support us by subscribing on whatever podcast platform you use, whether that be Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or Podcast Addict. And if you'd like to, you can find us on YouTube at the DFS Dose, where we produce fantasy content all week, every week, and live stream on Mondays. Joey, I'm sure you've noticed it, right? It'd be impossible not to if you've been firing entries off into the puppy this week on Underdog. Wide receiver ADPs are skyrocketing. Running back ADPs are tanking. Per Establish the Runs Mike Leone in the last week, all 30 of the top ADP risers in the top 100 on Underdog were wide receivers, and the top 20 fallers were all running backs, it appears to be a poignant shift and it's not coming out of nowhere. So obviously, Underdog has done a phenomenal job in terms of marketing their product, especially on Twitter. And 
I think the prevailing thought process, especially on fantasy Twitter over the past month or so, has largely been focused on fading running backs early, acknowledging and adapting to the running back dead zone, and then building the core of your teams through wide receivers in the mid-rounds. Do you think that we can actually attribute this massive shift in ADP strictly to Twitter and sort of the impact of these Twitter accounts and influencers? I think the fantasy football influencers that have you know semi to large followings um, have definitely impacted underdog fantasies ADP for sure now are they the main reason to blame probably not you know there's some other factors people are sharper there's more access to good information some of the running backs that are falling I believe we're going too high to begin with and then everybody also knows that wide receivers have a higher ceiling than running backs and ultimately that's kind of what you want to target in these large field best ball tournaments is ceiling players. So I'm not too surprised to see wide receivers shooting up the draft board and shooting up an ADP, but it's kind of getting out of hand at this point. I, I see people that are drafting eight nine wide receivers in a row I think that's a little too much because wide receiver obviously isn't the only position and you have to hit at every other position in order to win a large field tournament so this trend keeps on happening where people are drafting six seven wide receivers in a row those teams are going to be dead so I'm all for it you got to take the value where it comes to you just be adaptable don't go into a draft wanting to draft six wide receivers in a row just be adaptable to the draft you're in and honestly just draft based off value is what, mm-hmm. what I'm doing right now. So, And I, I like that point about teams finding new ways to be dead, just yeah. drafting all these wide receivers. It's like a lot of these teams were dead already, and now it's just a whole handful of, of people who you would think are sharp, right? Like they're, they're going this wide receiver heavy route, but they're taking it a step too far. And it's just, mm-hmm. it's nice to see, you know, at, at least two to three entrants in every underdog draft are dead yes. by the time the draft ends. It's, it's yep. beautiful. 20 to 30% of teams total will be dead one, one million percent and I see it every draft you know whether that be people taking five quarterbacks people taking seven wide receivers with their first seven picks just just terrible drafting that's pretty much all I have to say about it is I hope people keep on doing it because it's free EV and gives me a better chance to put these teams through into Mm -hmm. the playoffs and I'm really liking some of the teams that I'm drafting now with this ADP shift but the wide receiver value I mean god it's hard to get wide receivers like after the first eight nine rounds now which is tough yeah i mean it's to the point where you have to like draft jacoby myers in the 11th it's getting brutal (laughs) it's getting absolutely brutal it's terrible so like i said i'm just kind of going about it based on value and where i am picking in the draft you know if a running back two falls to me and i'm picking you know at the top of the draft i'll gladly take another running back to pair with you know cook or camara whoever i get you know from the two three spot if i'm drafting in the middle i'll probably go with one of those high upside elite wide receiver ones in the second round and then you can usually get another one in the third round which which i think is good and then you can uh, focus on other positions so just taking it as it falls to me i'm definitely not reaching 10 15 picks above adp to draft wide receivers which i'm seeing people do every draft the way that I think it's affected me the most is that I'm adding uh, exposure to players that previously I wouldn't touch at, at the ADPs that they had. Like I was never taking J.K. Dobbins ahead of the round three wide receivers, but with Dobbins falling to you know the the end of the fourth.
fourth in some of these spots, I'm willing to get some exposure there. David Montgomery, I've seen go past pick 60. You know, I was never touching him with his mid-40s ADP, but I will go there when the value presents itself. Josh Jacobs, mm-hmm. Mike Davis. Um, you know, we're seeing players like Miles Gaskin and Kareem Hunt fall, which uh, they're becoming great values to me in the back end of the sixth and the seventh. And a player that I'm really coming along to who, who's really been on sort of a roller coaster ride is James Robinson, right? Like we were taking him in the second, third pre-draft. They add ETN and, you know, he tanked down to the fourth, the fifth, the sixth. And now, God, you can get him past pick 100 in these drafts. And, and he, to me, is one of the best values available now. Yeah, I definitely like James Robinson. He has an ADP of pick 93. So I I love him and I love the running backs that have fallen into that range. Uh, I know you mentioned Kareem Hunt, Miles Gaskin, even Chase Edmonds. Now you can get them routinely at the end of the seventh in the early eighth round, which I love. And then that next tier of running backs, which would be the tier of, you know, potential RB1s if their starter goes down. The Hendersons, Kenyon Drakes of the world, Ronald Jones too. Um, I I love getting them as my RB3, RB4 in that range while people are reaching on on, you know, I would say low floor even low ceiling wide receivers in that range. And I think that's one of the biggest shifts too is guys like Gabriel Davis and Henry Ruggs and players of that nature who are in maybe like the fifth or sixth tier of wide receivers are being are now being drafted in the fifth tier of wide receivers, mm-hmm. you know, in the tenth round. I'm just staying away from all of those guys and I like targeting running backs in that range. You know, maybe get your tight end one if you wait and the quarterbacks in that range as well have fallen like Trey Lance, Justin Fields, Matt Ryan, I think are all good picks there too now. Absolutely. Let's move on to the next segment of the show. And I want to build on the conversation that we started last week talking about correlation and how to optimize your teams for the end of the season. We know that all the money in these tournaments are going to be made in weeks 15 through 17. We talked about stacking. We talked about how to build in bringbacks to your team to add another level of depth. And that's something that I've really been focusing on. I mean, if people didn't get a chance to listen to that episode, I would I would definitely recommend that they go back and check it out. I think it's sort of like the next level of analysis for best ball that people are going to start coming around to. And I want to start off by talking about the Chiefs here. Something that I've been doing lately in my drafts is figuring out ways to stack the Chiefs without wasting an early pick on Patrick Mahomes. And and I think that you can realistically do so, especially if you have an early to mid pick in one of these drafts. You can start off with Tyreek Hill and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, potentially land Keenan Allen, or even go Tyreek Austin Eckler to get a little bit of that correlation. Instead of reaching for Mahomes in, in round four or round three, you can focus on securing assets from the Chiefs week 15 and 16 opponents. So you're you're still building a correlated team, you know, whether you go after the Steelers players in Deontay or Claypool, you go after the week 17 matchup in the Bengals with Chase or Higgins. These are easy players to secure in those rounds four through seven, and it gives you full access to the Chiefs playoff upside without sacrificing EV by spending a third round pick on quarterback. It also allows you to build naturally high upside stacks with teams like the Chargers and the Bengals. So, so to me, this is just, uh, a clear-cut way to get access to that chief stack without burning your third-round pick on Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, it's not sneaky or anything. Like everybody knows, to stack the Chiefs, they have the highest implied team total average for underdogs playoff weeks with an average of 29 points and they have some of the highest totaled games period in that time span with their Week 15 matchup against the Chargers that is tied. 
uh, for the highest total with 52. Their Steelers game is a total of 50, and the Bengals game is a total of 50 as well. So potential high-scoring games. Vegas thinks they will be high-scoring. So I love stacking those three teams with the chief stacks and all of those players are affordable too I, w- I would say especially the Steelers wide receivers like you can get Juju late you can get Chase Claypool in the, in the mid rounds Deontay is kind of expensive but don't mind him um, even Eric Ebron is going super late too sometimes even undrafted so a lot of a lot of players to stack from the Steelers and I, I just think that if you're stacking the Chiefs that is definitely one way to boost your correlation and boost your team is targeting Charger Steelers and Bengals wide receivers that chief stack will will probably advance you at least one week if you hit on you know like your running backs and and tight ends i mean while we're in the galaxy brain zone thinking about how cincinnati and and los angeles chargers are part of that correlation with the chiefs denver also plays both of those teams in the week 15 through 17 stretch so i I think it's worth adding a piece from denver if you're landing multiple chargers or Bengals, whether that be sutton or judy in the mid rounds or noah fant is your tight end one just another level of correlation that you can add there yep and i think the broncos guys are pretty solid values right now too like i find myself drafting a lot of sutton fan adp has dropped into uh the triple digits now he's going at like pick 101 like Sutton, i like fan judy is still cheap so the broncos guys are good values in my opinion and you know if they make a splash trade for a quarterback these are guys that will shoot up two three rounds in in adp so i like i like targeting them as part of that stack in general as well yep what's a sort of under the radar correlation play that you've been looking at this past week one team that i think is underrated for the underdog playoffs is the indianapolis colts Mm. right i don't think anybody is looking to stack carson wentz with michael pittman paris campbell etc you know the tight end situation there is kind of murky they have mo alley cox jack doyle they drafted a rookie tight end jonathan taylor obviously clear cut first round pick i would say the colts have a great if not the best playoff schedule out of every team in the nfl in week 15 they play at home against the patriots in week 16 they play in arizona and then week 17 they play at home against raiders individually each of those three games are three of the highest total games for those specific weeks and the colts themselves have an average of 26.3 points for their implied team total for that three-week stretch which would be number five in the NFL. So I like them a lot. I like the teams that they're playing. Um, You know, you could start out your draft realistically with Jonathan Taylor and DeAndre Hopkins. So you get a little correlation there for that week 16 matchup. Obviously, Carson Wentz is cheap. Michael Pittman is cheap. Paris Campbell's cheap. T.Y. Hilton, if you want to go that route, is cheap. All of the Colts skill position players are cheap besides Jonathan Taylor. So there's just a lot of room for flexibility. It doesn't have to be your main stack obviously you know you you want to target those higher upside stacks like the chiefs and like the cowboys cardinals etc but it's definitely possible to go the jonathan taylor deandre hopkins kyler murray route snag paris campbell or michael pittman in the 11th round and you got a nice little correlation there i like the colts a lot they should be ahead in some of these games so i think jonathan taylor is a great pick in the first round and you know many many people aren't stacking the colts so 
I think it's definitely underrated. Yep, and if if you're going for the week 15 advancement too, you know, basically every Patriots player is available at, yeah. at a good price. Damian Harris is the most expensive one, and you know, even he's relatively affordable. The two tight ends, you know, the main pass catchers in New England are two of the best values at the tight end position. And then, you know, the Raiders, there are a couple assets that you can go there. I mean, I'm not too big on the Brian Edwards, John Brown group, but I do like Henry Ruggs and obviously Darren Waller is a supreme value. So it's pretty impossible to get uh, Jonathan Taylor, DeAndre Hopkins and Darren Waller on a team. I don't think that anybody's going to be able to get that off, but you could start with DeAndre Hopkins and Darren Waller and then come back with a Carson Wentz stack to, to sort of solidify that cold stack as well with some of the receivers you mentioned. I think there's a lot of ways you can go with that. All right. One more that I want to highlight here is a stack that's quickly becoming one of my favorites and it's the Eagle stack. So So to me, this one is incredibly easy to correlate. All of the viable fantasy players on Philly are affordable. Devontae Smith is going around pick 69. Hertz and Goddard are both going around pick 85. Rieger is a value at 126. And and everything sort of lines up for Philly. They have two home games in the underdog playoffs, and two of their three games are against the same team. They play Washington twice, and Washington is a team that isn't really stackable in and of themselves because, I mean, we've talked about it. Ryan Fitzpatrick is not going to start the full season and I don't think we have too much interest in Heineke either so what are we going to be looking at you know Gibson and McLaurin unstacked most of the time but you're getting these guys rounds ahead of when you have to take the Eagles players you know so so you leave the second round with Gibson or the third round with McLaurin you're setting yourself up to stack the Eagles four or five rounds in advance before you have to even take those players and by selecting one Washington player whether that be McLaurin or Gibson you are correlating your lineup for two of the three most important weeks in the season. And the other team that the Eagles play in that stretch is the Giants. And we know that they have a ton of valuable assets late as well, whether that be Shepard, Tony, or Godius. And Kenny Galladay is affordable in the fifth as well. So I think that this is a team that is worth stacking in terms of having two home games and easy bringbacks with teams that people are drafting pieces of, but not stacking. Yeah. So I do like the Eagles players and I do like the Washington players individually and the correlation obviously makes sense but we know that division matchups the second time around are harder so mm-hmm. I don't really like them playing twice in a in a three-week span especially in the playoffs if we're looking at week 15 the Washington and Eagles game has a total of 46 which is the second lowest total on the board so not a high projected game there and then if we're looking at week 17 they have that total at 44 and a half which is the third lowest total for the week 17 slate these games could be slower they could be low scoring defensive battles obviously with Washington and Washington and Philadelphia also don't have high implied team total averages for the playoff week so just with upside I think it is kind of capped with them playing twice in the playoffs but individually I still do love Jalen Hurts I I like Miles Sanders I like the Washington skill position players Gibson McLaurin but 
I don't know if I would just go full on, you know, stacking Eagles and Washington players. No, I agree with that. I mean, I think that it'd be a skinny stack, if anything, because, you know, we don't expect Philly to be a super pass happy team. You can, you know, sort of cap it with one of these guys. And again, they're all affordable. So I think it's sort of baked in. Like if you get Hurts, you know, around pick 85 and Rieger a couple rounds later, and you've got McLaurin on there, it's just a cheap correlation with a lot of upside, even without massive team totals, because Jalen Hurts can get there off yardage, uh, you know, rushing production, not necessarily touchdowns. So I, I think mm. that I think that it's valid. I mean, I wouldn't necessarily, this wouldn't be a team that I onslaught and try and draft like, you know, f- three or four players from the Eagles offense, but I think it, it's a good skinny stack with easy bringbacks. Yep. I, I definitely agree with that. All right. Before we get out of here, Joey, DK Sportsbook added a ton of player props to the website this week. I think we're about a month out from being able to make these bets ourselves online in New York. So shout out to that. Hopefully they come soon. But what are some of the props that really stand out to you now that we have a plethora of options? Yeah, so I think one of my favorite props is kind of a double prop bet here. Ronald Jones over 770.5 rushing yards. And then I would combine that with betting Leonard Fournette under 650.5 rushing yards. Ronald Jones is minus 105 for that over and Leonard Fournette is minus 120 for that under. I just think that Ronald Jones is the guy. He was the guy for the majority of last season. I mean, Leonard Fournette was on the brink of being cut last year until Ronald Jones got hurt and then they had to rely on Fournette at the end of the season and then obviously he was all right in the playoffs uh, Leonard Fournette that is so I think both of them will have a role starting out but Leonard Fournette has shown us in his career that he is not that guy he, he's just not that guy that he was drafted to be. Ronald Jones has gotten better in every single year of his career so far. 978 yards last year would have went over 1,000 if he didn't get hurt. And the beat reporters say that Ronald Jones is the starter week one. And I think he starts and, and runs away with that job. And honestly, I wouldn't be surprised to see Leonard Fournette actually cut during the year if if Ronald Jones performs well so just betting on the situation there with with these two prop bets I mean we've talked about it at length Um, I think that your four net disrespect has gotten completely out of hand but the numbers make sense there for Rojo especially to hit that over I I don't mind that bet Um, I I think that he's definitely a, a, a strong candidate to hit over a thousand rushing yards if if he remains healthy for the duration of 2021 I'm definitely uh smashing that over whenever I can when I was looking through these bets, I, I think the thing that stood out to me is that the market is pretty significantly undervaluing all of the Cowboys players, in my opinion. Dak Prescott is second in terms of odds behind Mahomes to finish with the most passing yards, but he's sixth to finish with the most passing touchdowns at plus 1,200. I think that that's a discrepancy, something I'd like to capitalize on. CeeDee Lamb's over-under is 1,000.5 yards. He finished with 935 in a rookie season that Dak Prescott missed 11 games in. I mean, if he doesn't break 1,000 yards receiving this season, he's going to be one of the worst fantasy picks in the third round, and he is not one of the worst picks in the third round. I think him hitting over 1,000 yards is a lock. But the one that I like the most here is Ezekiel Elliott at plus 1,800 to finish the 
season with the most rushing touchdowns. Derrick Henry and Dalvin Cook are tied as the favorites in this category at plus 450. But just in terms of value, I see so much of it in Zeke, you know, as a player who should dominate the goal line role on one of the best offenses in the league. Nick Chubb is more highly favored for this category despite being frequently taken off the field at the end of last season for Kareem Hunt in the red zone. Antonio Gibson is more highly favored despite being on a team that will realistically score 10 to 15 fewer touchdowns than Dallas. Same thing with McCaffrey and JT on the Panthers and Colts, respectively. Even Saquon Barkley has the same odds as Zeke despite being a question mark in terms of week one availability and early season workload limitations. Zeke at plus 1800 to me is a stone cold value to lead the league in rushing touchdowns this season. Yeah, it's it's definitely good odds for sure. Plus 1800, I mean geez, why why not bet it at that point? I mean, you got multiple offensive linemen returning for the Cowboys that were injured last year. You got Dak Prescott returning as well. The Cowboys offense should be top three in the NFL in points per game and total touchdowns scored. So I definitely don't mind that bet. Obviously, it's a, it's a long shot prop, so I wouldn't put too much money on it, but it could definitely hit. It's definitely within Zeke's range of outcomes to lead the league in touchdowns. I mean, he's been an elite running back for numerous years now. Wasn't elite that much last year, and I think that's kind of where the risk comes in with Zeke is if you know he doesn't return back to his elite running back form and maybe we see a decline with him but i'm definitely counting on a bounce back year from zeke in 2021 so i I do i do like that bet and i I like the odds too you got another one for us yeah so my second favorite prop bet for this segment would be betting dj Moore over six receiving touchdowns at plus 100 so pretty much even money you know you bet 100 to win 100 and I just think that DJ Moore has had bad touchdown variants I just I just tweeted this earlier but he has 253 targets over the last two seasons combined with only eight touchdowns four touchdowns a year and hasn't gone over four touchdowns in his career and I just think that with 17 games You have Sam Darnold coming in, who's probably an upgrade over what he's had in his career so far. You know, Teddy Bridgewater, Kyle Allen, a withered Cam Newton. We could see DJ Moore score seven, eight touchdowns in a 17-game season. Obviously, competition for touchdowns there with Christian McCaffrey healthy, Robbie Anderson's there. They drafted Terrace Marshall. But I just think with touchdowns, you know, we we know that it's very unpredictable. And I just think that he's ran bad so far in his career. So I'm just betting on the touchdown variants to finally swing in DJ Moore's favor here at plus 100. Yep, I definitely like those odds uh, for sure. I know that there's a lot of touchdowns to theoretically go around between CMC and Moore and Anderson and even Terrace Marshall if he comes in and makes an impact as a rookie, but DJ Moore should be the clear-cut alpha wide receiver in that in that offense. Clear-cut, the most talented wide receiver there should be a target monster yet again, so I think if he gets 130 targets, he'll score more than six touchdowns. Like I'll, I'll take that bet all day, every day. Yep, and you know, speaking of a touchdown over, my second bet here is Devontae Smith over five and a half touchdowns at plus 110. To me, this makes all the sense in the world. I think that he immediately comes in and is the wide receiver one in Philly. He profiles as a deep threat. He is coming off of a college season where he scored, what, 23 touchdowns? I know that's not going to happen in the NFL, but goddamn, this man <laughs> has a propensity to get in the 
red zone. He had 14 touchdowns in 2019 with Alabama as well. I think that Jalen Hurts is going to feed this man, you know, high value targets. I don't think Jalen Rager is a major red zone threat. I think it's going to be between Smith and Dallas Goddard leading this team in touchdowns. And Five and a half is just such an easy number to break. He only needs six through the course of a 17-game season. Heisman Trophy winner, first-round pick for the Eagles. I think that he smashes this. I think I think you know a more realistic would be something like six or seven and a half. You're getting free EV in my opinion at five and a half. Plus one ten at five and a half. This is probably like the best bet on the board right now. Honestly, I I just think that with this specific line, Vegas is expecting the Eagles to be like a, a run-first team and. And they're expecting Jalen Hurts to not improve as a passer. He wasn't great last year, like from a passing stance, he was worse than Drew Locke. So I think that's what they're expecting. But obviously, with us being in you know the fantasy industry, looking at Jalen Hurts in, in drafts and, and whatnot, um, we're expecting a great sophomore year for him. And that would mean Devontae Smith is probably hitting his ceiling as well if Jalen Hurts is hitting his ceiling which we think he can so five and a half I mean that's just that's just too low for 17 games like you're telling me he can't do that one touchdown every three and a half games come on yeah yeah I mean that that's it's free money and speaking of free money I mean God, Joey, we we both landed on the uh the same prop, another rookie prop for our third favorite and this is the stone cold definition of free money. <laughs> Yeah, it definitely is. I will say the Devontae Smith prop is probably better, uh, but this is definitely up there. Kyle Pitts over 800.5 receiving yards at minus 115. You know, so you're laying a little bit of juice on the line there, but not too much to the point where it's not bettable. And I just think in a full 17 game season, if he stays healthy, obviously we're not donkeys. We don't project injuries. He's going to smash this right he's going to go over a thousand yards and the way it breaks down is he would need to average 47 yards per game roughly to beat this prop of 800.5 you're telling me this guy (laughs) as the number two option on a pass first team that's going to be losing in a majority of their games isn't going to hit 800 yards Come on, DraftKings. That's just disrespectful, honestly. So that is probably my favorite prop bet so far. And hopefully DraftKings and New York State can can get a deal done so we can start betting some of these props before the lines change. Yeah, I mean, God, Kyle Pitts is, to me, a surefire lock to beat this if he plays 17 games. He probably only needs to play like 15 games, (laughs) 14 games to beat this. Let's, Let's be real. No bullshit. I mean, I think Kyle Pitts is a lock to go over a thousand yards like i would personally Mm -hmm. project him for probably like 1100 yards so if i'm getting you know 300 yards on this line i mean that that's an easy smash i think yeah i'm ready to put my life savings on it to be honest with you (laughs) if he finishes with 750 i'm gonna be living under an underpass yeah yeah, I'm ready to put my life savings on Kyle Pitts over 800 and a half yards and the Devontae Smith over five and a half touchdowns. I mean, mm. God, that, that those just seem like they want to give us their hard-earned money. I, I think they do. They definitely <laughs> do. <laughs> All right. I think that is going to be it for episode 151 of the DFS Dose podcast. If you're not already, make sure you are following us on Twitter at the DFS Dose. We are closing in on 1,000 followers, which would 
which would be a pretty dope benchmark to hit. You can also find our personal Twitters. I am at Ben Hover. Joey's at Joey Carrion DFS. New episodes of the podcast drop every Thursday on Spotify, Apple, SoundCloud, and every other podcast platform on the internet. We'll be back next week on Thursday, July 22nd with episode 152. If you ever want to draft with us, we live stream drafts every Monday on our YouTube channel, Twitch, and Twitter. You can join our Discord channel for a heads up on when we plan to go live so you can jump in, chat with us, draft with us, chill with us. We always welcome the interaction. If you're listening out there, just know that we appreciate you. We value you. Until next time, let's stay accountable and keep it authentic. Vibes.